This morning, God's word comes to us first in Joshua chapter 1 and then uh, in Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there as we together can hear from the word of the Lord. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen or it's in your worship guide. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, following on through verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses. Turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it night and day so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then turning to Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to read verse 12. Hear again the word of the Lord. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing, so we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me forward of prayer? Gracious God, as we enter into this space and this time, we ask that you would make yourself known to us through your holy word. Lord, I pray that you would, by the power of your spirit, open our eyes that we would see, open our ears that we would hear, open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will, open our hearts that we would feel its power. And by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I grew up in a Christian home, uh, son of a pastor, uh, devout, devoted mother in the faith. And, uh, and, and, and bedtime story ritual it had a few things involved with it. It had Goodnight Moon. Anyone know Goodnight Moon? It had, uh, it had Dr. Seuss as I grew a little older. Uh, I, I assume you know Dr. Seuss because all of our schools have the kids like dress up as Dr. Seuss once a year. Uh, characters, that is, not Dr. Seuss himself, characters of Dr. Seuss. Uh, but uh, it also involved uh, nursery rhymes, fables, fairy tales, and Bible reading. It involved Bible reading. Uh, we, we would read the Bible in one of two ways when I was young. Uh, any of you remember Precious Moments with the little cherub-looking things that uh, were, were what, what the Bible was all about? It was all about angelic creatures and little babies. Every, every, everybody was a baby. There was no one grown in Precious Moments. Uh, we all stayed young. Uh, then... Uh, then it also progressed to like, like a children's Bible with, uh, uh, where it took all of the gospel and condensed it down into like 
Noah, David, and Goliath, uh, a couple of Jesus healings, and Easter, right? Like that, that was the whole of the Bible. Any of you have that children's Bible? Yeah, so I see some testimony. Thank you. Uh, so it, it did something to me uh, whenever it impacted my view of Holy Scripture, when it impacted my view of this. Uh, early on, I viewed this as another bedtime story. This Bible was maybe a fairy tale of sorts. Very far from real, something that could easily be discarded and that I thought as I grew up would do what everything else did. Uh, Good night, moon, was just a little bit of fun. But then I, then, then I grew, and, 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 and being a, a Christian, and, and in a Christian home, my family took me to church. And of course, as my family took me to church, I went to Sunday school. And I started to look at this book in a different way. You know how I looked at this book whenever I was in my Sunday school years? Trivia. This was about winning. I thought if I could learn enough of this book so that I could have enough of the answers to satisfy my teachers, I would get enough of the candy so as to be known as the winner. Do y'all know Sunday schools, at least where I was, they, they gave you candy. You get an answer, you get a candy. You get another answer, you get candy. And so I was the obnoxious kid that would not raise my hand, just blurred out the answer. I wanted all the candy so that my friends would come buy it from me because I not only wanted to win at trivia, I also wanted to win at taking my friend's money. So, uh, so that was the kind of holiness with which this book was seen by me, a child. And then it, it, it took another turn. When I was a youth, this is after my confirmation years, uh, I, I began to, to look at this book as, as problematic, as having all sorts of different challenges in it. And so then my, my Sunday school teachers, instead of giving, us, uh, or giving me candy as reward, they gave me pain as reward because I would ask my Sunday school teachers questions that I knew they were ill-equipped to answer. Why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? Would firstborn children be killed? We hear of the prayers that are answered in Scripture, but what of the ones that aren't? And so I would ask all of these questions, and I would watch my Sunday school teachers squirm, and they would say, go ask your dad. He is the preacher. Uh, and uh, I have since repented and apologized to Carolyn Bowden, who is a beautiful, faithful servant of the Lord, who was my Sunday school teacher when I was a youth. But I realized uh, that, that I had much more doubt than I had faith. And even though I had been confirmed and done all of the right things and said all of the right things and knew enough trivia, I didn't know the Lord. I had never encountered the Holy Spirit. And I didn't trust God's word. Then when I became a Christian uh, as a late teen, uh, thankfully before I went to college, whew, it would have been hard going through college without Jesus. So, uh, so as I became a Christian in my late teens, 
there was a, a spiritual conviction uh, that I felt that didn't just happen about like, like what it meant to be uh, a person of faith, like to, re- to release doubt and understand that doubt is a part of a journey, a lifelong journey of faith and engagement in the Holy Spirit, but, but it's also about uh, a relationship with this, with this word. And so, and so I looked at this God's word as a way of salvation. John Wesley describes this way of salvation uh, with relationship to God's word in this way. John Wesley is the founder of Methodism. He said this, I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. How to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has descended to teach the way. From this very end, he came from heaven. He hath written it down. He, he, he wrote down the way to heaven in a book. And then Wesley says, oh, give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be homo uni libri. Let me be a man of one book. A man of one book. I think when I became a Christian, uh, I got the first part of that Wesley quote. I, I got that passion, that desire uh, to, to know God's word as a way of salvation, as a path to heaven, as a way to land on that celestial so- shore. But I still drew back from fully understanding what Wesley meant there and, and what this word of God can mean for us. That, that being a man of one book, no, no, I, I wasn't quite there yet. Then I went to college, studied uh, biblical studies in undergraduate, and then went on to seminary. And when I was in college and when I was in seminary, I... I I continued to be taught all of the challenges that are in this book. All of the difficulties, all of the things that need to be resolved, all the authorship, all the contextual criticism, all of the historical context. I was taught all of these things about this book. And I became a a person that looked at this book as a thing to critically analyze and think about and and yet have zero implication on my life beyond a way of salvation. I was going through seminary as though this were a problem to solve. Maybe you've looked at the Bible in that way, as though this is a a, a crossword puzzle, and if you could just get one across, then it would unlock the key to 10 down, and if you could get 10 down, then you knew you'd finally get 17 across, which you knew nothing about. That's how I viewed the Bible coming out of seminary, a problem to solve. mission, and I was ordained as a pastor in the United Methodist Church, believing the Bible was nothing more than a way of salvation and a problem to solve. And with very little daily 
experience of God's side of preparing for preaching, I continued in ministry living that lie. Then a few years in, my wife Lauren and I were blessed with the opportunity. Chapel Temple, uh, who's the pastor now at Christ Church Sugarland, uh, a mentor of mine, invited me along with a number of my peers to go on a trip to the Holy Land. And we were going to go on this trip to Israel with, with Jack Beck, uh, the professor Jack Beck, with Jerusalem University. And when we went to Israel, this is in 2009, three and a half years after I had been commissioned as a pastor in the United Methodist Church, uh, I, I, I saw the word of God in ways I had never imagined. I, I experienced God's word in, 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 in the context of real land where real people and real consequences were. And, and, and when I remember going up on the sermon on the uh, going up on the mount where the sermon on the mount would have been preached and, and sitting there on that mountaintop and looking down over Capernaum and all of the Sea of Galilee and, and then reading in that space to myself and then aloud uh, the sermon on the mount as Jesus preached it right there in that space. And it came alive. For me, it showed me that there was more than just a way of salvation, that this was a way of life. Not just, not just life eternal, but life abundant here and now. That in my daily life, this, this book, this Bible had something for me that, that it could engage me and transform me if I would just let it. And, and was interesting, though, because there was still one more barrier that had to be broken down. You see, when we left, I I knew then that the Bible was real, that every word of it was true, that God breathed this word for us, for me and for you, and that we could be nurtured in the way that leads to life eternal and abundant if we would only listen to God's word. But, But I still I still had this barrier, and the barrier was that this was for a people in history, and I found or thought that it had limited application to me, that some of it had more application, that some of it had less application, and if I would just figure that out, I could journey with the word, and on some days there would be more for me, and on other days there would be uh, there would be less for me. And so I, I moved into my relationship with the word following my Israel trip, very much like we read from Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. See, God uh, comes to Joshua and says, hey, you know, that season of Exodus, that time with Moses back in the wilderness, that has ended. And now we're going to move into this promised land. And as I usher you into the promised land, I I want you to know that the word that I've given you uh, did not expire. It did not uh, get set in the past in history, but it still has uh, evidence and relevance for you today. If you just meditate on it, I will teach you. And so that's how I engage the text as something that could teach me. And so engage it, meditate on it, and teach and be taught by it. Then a few years later, I went to, uh, 
I, I, I had an opportunity, and I was actually pastoring here uh, a few years into our ministry here at Covenant. And I was invited to go on a trip to Turkey with Professor Brad Gray. And on that trip, I was struck by the fact that throughout the New Testament, as I visited Ephesus, as I visited Colossae, as I visited the churches in Galatia, as I visited all the seven churches that were uh, the locations of the seven churches referenced in Revelation, uh, as as I went amongst the, the region of Turkey, we read over and over again the life application of God's word for those people then, and were asked the question, what now is the application today? And over and over and over again, God taught me that the word was not dead. It wasn't historical. It wasn't something that someone learned from once upon a time, but it was something that God could and would teach me from every day now. And I went through a transformation from looking at uh, God's word like Joshua chapter 1 and looking more uh, at God's word like we read from Hebrews chapter 4. Did you, did you hear the, the, the nuanced differences in Hebrew chapter 4? Uh, in, in Hebrew chapter 4, God said quite clearly that, that his word is alive and active. The word, this thing, the letters on this page, the words in this book, this book in its entirety is alive and active moving in our midst. It's not something that's dead or historical only, but it's something that has real life application in our day-to-day life. And so, and so I, I began to pray on a daily basis that God would use this word to penetrate my heart, that this would be a double-edged sword, that it, would, that it would move in ways in my soul, in my spirit, that I didn't even know it needed to move. You see, there are things within us that we're bound to, that we're constrained by, that we allow to be boxed in and boxed up so that God could have no place and no hold on us in those ways. And so I asked that God's word would penetrate those things, separate those things, allow for those things to be revealed in me so that I could see the active, alive movement of God in my life. And I want to tell you, my life has not been the same. And I know that that as I went through that journey with you, you found yourself at one place or another along the way. You found yourself in thinking that this, this word, this book, is, is fairy tale or story, it's historical data, it's, it's trivia, it's something that, that's stuck in the past and dead, something that can provide some wisdom but not really enough. Or maybe you're in that place that I find myself today saying that this word of God is alive active for us today. And so I have a challenge for you, brothers and sisters. We're in this season of nurture, how we can nurture the roots that we're planting in Christ so that we might be able to grow in faith and bear fruit for the kingdom. And, and, and Bible study is a core principle of how we can nurture our souls, how we can nurture our lives. Wesley had another quote. Uh, he, he speaks from the heart in, in, in a way that really resonates with me. He says, here then I am, far from the busy ways of men. I sit down alone, only God is here. 
and in his presence, I open, I read his book. For this end, to find the way to heaven. Is there a doubt concerning the meaning of what I read? Does anything appear dark or intricate? I lift up my heart to the Father of lights, who says this, Lord, is it not thy word? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Thou givest liberally and unabradest not. Thou hast said, God, you've said, if any be willing to do thy will, he shall know. And then Wesley concludes by saying this. I'm willing to do your will. So let me know thy will. That's how I invite you to approach this word. Each day, every day, to open God's word. Some of us think that, that, that the only way that God speaks to us is that God, that God has to speak in this loud, booming voice to, to tell us uh, quite clearly, exactly, like audibly, uh, exactly what we need to hear. But God speaks through his word as well. God speaks through his word on a daily basis. So open God's word and read it. And as you read it, before you read it, say, Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me in your word today? And day by day, God's active and alive word will speak to you. Now, some of you are saying, Jason, this thing is long. Where do I start? Like this, this, this is a challenge. Like, 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 like it's one thing to read on a, on like the whole thing and like to just meet the challenge. Hey, I'm going to read the whole Bible in 30 days or in 90 days or in 45 days or in a year. Great. Those are all good things. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual discipline of allowing the word of God to speak to your daily life. And, and here, here's an opportunity for a starting point. Are you ready? If you're looking for a starting point, a place to begin, here's what I have for you. Read Luke, one of the four Gospels, Luke, and as you conclude Luke, I want you to read Acts. It's the first book after the Gospels. It's about the early church and how God began forming his people in community. Okay, and then I want you to read Philippians. It's one of the letters. It's not very long. If you, wanna, if you want a place to start, just the beginning point, start with Luke, go to Acts, and then go to Philippians. And I want you to do this in this way. I want you to do it in this way. I don't want you to read as though to accomplish this task. Don't do that. It's not a winning scenario. Okay? Y'all have not heard me say that very much. Right, church? This is not a winning scenario. The only win is to hear from the Lord. Okay? The win here is to hear from the Lord. And so I want you to read as much as the Lord has assigned for you that day. Okay? As you read, you're going to say, Lord... What do you have for me today? And you're going to read, and then you're going to stop, and then you're going to say, Lord, what did you have for me today? And invite the Spirit to move as a double-edged sword in your lives. Luke, Acts, Philippians. One more thing. If you don't have a Bible, see me after worship. I'm going to buy you one. 
I mean that. If you don't have a Bible, see me after worship and I'm going to buy you one. Pray with me. Gracious God, we, uh, we thank you for your word, for its power, for its activity in our lives, for the way it transforms us from the inside out. Lord, there are strongholds that we have built up challenging the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would tear those down, that you would allow each of those strongholds to be destroyed so that you might invade our hearts and teach us from your word. Lord, your word is alive and active. We give you thanks for that. Let it be alive and active in our lives on a daily basis so that we might be nurtured by the power of the Holy Spirit and the work that you've proclaimed. 